Dear Lord, thank you so much for this Sabbath day. Thank you for bringing us through another week, uh, for giving us life. And thank you for giving us the chance to study your word now. And I pray, Lord, that as we go through and as we reflect on what we've uh, studied these last four weeks, that you would help it to uh, take root in our hearts and uh, to become part of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I titled the presentation this morning, When God Shows Up, the waves begin to roll. And uh, you'll see as I, as I go through this morning that it's an, an illustration that I'm using. It's not an in-depth theological study, so please don't hold me to any exegesis, eisegesis, any of that kind of stuff. Um, but it is looking at an illustration of how we can understand the relationship between God's character and our lives today. So... I was given the, uh, the challenging task of summarizing what we've been studying this last month. Uh, we've been studying Exodus 34 and God's character and what it means when uh, he explains to Moses and describes who he is. And uh, the kind of putting it all together at the end now and thinking, where do we go from here? How do we take what we've learned and apply it for the next year, two years, however long God gives us life. Um, as I was thinking about it and pondering, I was actually on a beach and um, looking at the waves, the ocean, and thinking about how uh, as the waves come in, when you're sitting on the shore, you're constantly seeing waves coming in. And it's kind of a, a, a reminder of how God's character, God's characteristics, and who he is, he's constantly trying to convey to us more of himself and more of who he is. And as I was sitting there and looking at the waves as they were coming in, uh, it made me think a little bit about how in the Bible sometimes there's a few verses where it compares God and the ocean and the waves. And so a couple of them are there on the screen. Psalm 77 verse 19, your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. And then another one, Psalm 42, verse 7. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. So thinking about the waves, thinking about the ocean, thinking about what, that, uh, what correlations we can see between God's character and that, uh, I was thinking how the waves are sometimes unpredictable. Sometimes when you are there at the beach or in the ocean, um, it's hard to predict what's going to come next. You know that the waves are coming, but you don't know if it's going to be a big one. You don't know if it's going to be a small one. Uh, sometimes you see a swell. I'm, I'm sure you guys have experienced it. You see a swell and you think, oh, there's going to be a big wave. And then it turns out it's like it's a really small one. And then the opposite happens as well. And when we started out this, this month, we were looking at a couple of things that we sometimes didn't understand, some things that we thought were a little bit unpredictable about God and how it seems like sometimes there's some, contra, uh, or there's some contradictions in uh, his description of himself and things that we couldn't quite make sense of. And sometimes we might expect certain things from God, and it turns out that we don't get that. And sometimes we might find that God surprises us by the way that he reveals himself. So what was the verse that we were studying this last month? Exodus 34 verse 6. I'll give you guys a chance to look that up in your Bibles. I know it's on the screen, and I just did that so that I wouldn't uh, 
miss the verses in my nervousness up here, but please look for it in your Bibles, and I'll give you a chance to, to find that. Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. The Bible says there, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And so over the last four weeks, we've looked at that verse, we've cut it down into its pieces and studied what does it mean when God says that he's merciful and gracious and long-suffering? What does it mean when God says that he keeps mercy for thousands? What does it mean when he says he forgives iniquity, he forgives transgression, and yet he doesn't clear the guilty? And what does it mean when he says that he visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation? So I summarized in just a few sentences uh, what basically, at least what I got out of what we went over the last month. And I'm sure each of us probably got something slightly different, but we learned in God's long suffering that we have the opportunity to experience God's goodness, God's love in our lives over time over a period of time that sometimes may be longer than we anticipate. Sometimes there are things in our lives that God has us wait for that we weren't anticipating waiting for. And through that wait, we have the opportunity to understand his long suffering and his love towards us. We've learned that God is good. And sometimes that's in contradistinction to the evil that we see in the world. And we've learned that despite the bad, God is still good. We've also learned that God is forgiving. And that even though the verse says that God forgives and does not clear the guilty, that's not at, that's not at odds with it, itself. It actually is showing us how God takes the guilt upon himself when we allow him to, pays our sin, and gives us the opportunity to be forgiven. We've also learned how God allows for free choice and for free will, and that although our choices do have consequences and have effects on those that come after us, God is able to turn situations around for good. So this verse that we've been studying didn't happen in a vacuum. It was in a context, and in just a few words, it was when Moses was asking God to show him who he was. He had been given the task of leading the children of Israel, and he didn't quite understand all that God expected of him. And so he asked God, please show me yourself, show, me, show yourself to me. And so God responds in that verse that we've been studying. And after that, what came next? Well, after that, Moses was drawn to come even closer to God and to bring his people even closer to God. We see that in the next verses that God's response draws Moses in to want to go even closer. And so if you can look in verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Then he said, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. So we see that the response of God, the, the self-revelation of God, 
is not just something that Moses wanted to just sit back and observe from far. He was drawn to, to be closer to that. It was something that attracted him to God. And we, we can see that as we've studied God's character, it's a beautiful character. It's, it's wonderful. It's amazing. And it should draw us to want to know him even better. It kind of reminds me, going back to the illustration, uh, when I was sitting there on the beach, I noticed that some people were not content with just watching the waves from the shore. They wanted to go and experience them up close. And I am by no means, I, I've never surfed. Um, I'm not a surfer. So I don't know about even half of what it takes to surf. But as I was watching, I noticed that there were people out there that were trying to catch the waves. And it was a lot of fun to watch and see how they try to time it just right so they can ride the waves in to the shore. And again, that reminds me of what God wants to do with us as we see more of who he is as we're drawn closer. He wants us to become spiritual surfers as it is. And that's not supposed to be like a, that, that's just an illustration. Uh, <laughs> The verse after uh, Moses responds to God and, and says, please take us as your people, take us as your inheritance, God says, and he said, behold, I make a covenant. Before all your people, I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among you, sorry, and all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. So we see that God as Moses is drawn in, God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make you my people, and I'm going to do something amazing that everybody who's watching will be astonished at. And it, again, it's, it's an, an opportunity where God's inviting us, by extension, to be a part of who he is and to experience in our lives. But surfing can be dangerous, as I'm sure... You've probably seen. Um, and in the same way, learning to apply God's character and underst our understanding of his character to our life, especially when we go through trials, is also dangerous. Um, in surfing, if you don't ride the wave properly, you could literally go flying like that guy is in that picture. And if we don't understand properly how to apply our understanding of God's character to our lives, we can also get knocked off of the spiritual high, so to speak, that we find ourselves on in occasions like this, on Sabbath, where we get a chance to come and, and hear God's word preached and see our friends and fellowship together. And I'm sure you've all experienced it. Uh, I, I experienced it a lot, uh, where on Sabbath, it's a great day. The, the sermon is, is speaking to your heart, and it's wonderful. And then the week starts, and all of a sudden, you have a million things on your plate, and the blessings that you've experienced so recently, all of a sudden, it's hard to see how they tie in. Um, I, I saw that just this week, this last week, uh, one day where I was um, in, in anticipation of, of starting, of, of preaching the Sabbath, um, thinking how unprepared I was, and uh, I was really stressed out at work, and uh, we, work, we work long hours, so there's not, no reason for that. But, I was going to be on call that day as well, and, and I was just feeling pretty down, um, pretty stressed out. And uh, that morning, I got a chance to talk with my parents on the phone, and they reminded me to look for ways where God was working in my day that day. And 
just a small, small little blessings that God sent along. But that morning, I ran into a friend that I hadn't seen in over a year and got a chance to catch up. And that was a big encouragement. I wrote that down. And then later on that day, I got an email from someone that I wasn't anticipating hearing from, and they were encouraging me, and that was a big encouragement as well. And then that night when I was on call, I got to sleep a little bit, which was really nice. <laughs> so sometimes when we, when, we, when we look for it, we can see God's blessings, even when there are dangers. But I want to go back and look at each one of those, uh, each one of those things that we studied this last month. Uh, and look at some examples in the Bible where people had difficulty and challenges experiencing in their lives. So the first part of the verse, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering. That's in Exodus 34, verse 6. God is long-suffering, and sometimes we have to wait. Uh, What if he asked you to wait for something for over 20 years? Think about the story of Abraham and how God promised him a son, but it was about 25 years after that when he actually had that son. Let's turn to Genesis 15, verses 1 through 3. I'll give you guys a chance to find that. Genesis 15, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says there, After these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? In other words, he's saying, God, you've promised me a son, but where is he? I don't have one yet. What's going on? And if we look at how Abraham, how his, how his, his, his experience was, we can see that he struggled with that. And... Uh, had a few falls as a result of not fully trusting that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. Um, However, God still came through. And it took a while, but as he learned to trust God, God brought the promise to pass when he was about 100 years old. And in the same way in our lives, when we think about God's long-suffering, there's two sides to that. God is patient with us when we are not on the same page with him that he wants us to be. And we often think of that as a good thing. But then God's also patient with us when we're not seeing what he wants us to see. And sometimes that takes us a while and is uncomfortable. But if we persist in trusting in God's long-suffering and trusting that he will bring things to pass in his time, then we can have peace. If we look at the next one, is God always good? The verse goes on to say that God is abounding in goodness and truth. But what about when God allows terrible things to happen? Then what do we do? Well, let's look at the story of Job. In Job chapter 29, verses 1 through 5, I'll give you a chance to look that up. Job is is responding to all that's happened to him. And for those who may not be familiar with the story, Job was a rich, wealthy, God-fearing man uh, who basically had everything taken away from him. And he lost his health, he lost his family, he lost his riches. And he questioned God, why, why did you allow this to happen? God is good, so why is something bad happening? If we read there in Job 29, verses 1 through 5, Job further questioned, continued his discourse and said, Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head, 
and when by his light I walked through darkness. Just as I was in the days of my prime, when the friendly counsel of God was over my tent, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were around me. And so he's, he's struggling. He's saying, God, where are you when things aren't going the way that I anticipated? When things are actually bad, where are you? Why, why are you allowing this to happen? He felt that God had abandoned him. And which one of us hasn't experienced that in our lives? Maybe not all to the same extent, but we've all gone through difficult times where we wonder, where's God in the midst of this? Why is this happening? And if we look at the bigger picture of what was going on with Job, which he didn't see at his time, but we can see by having the advantage of, of having the whole story and the behind the scenes, we can see that God was allowing that to happen, not because he was upset with Job, not because he wanted Job to suffer, not because he was indifferent to Job's suffering, but because there was a bigger picture. There was a great controversy. There was the devil coming and accusing God of playing favorites and saying, this guy only serves you because you bless him. And so God allowed those bad things to happen, not because God wasn't good, but because Satan is bad. And because for the greater good to, to happen, God had to allow it to be shown. And it showed that Job still persisted in his trust in God, despite his, his struggles. And God showed that there are people who will follow him, despite the fact that things go bad in their lives. And that also gave us, who have lived thousands of years later, the, the blessing of seeing that there are other people that have suffered. And as we look at the book of Job, we can find encouragement from that for our lives. So God still brings good out of bad situations, even when we're struggling to understand how. But we just have to wait. As is the case of Job, God never specifically explained to him what was happening and why it was happening. And we may not always see in our lives, see the goodness of God per se, but we can trust and believe that he is good and that he will explain to us even if we don't see it in our life now, he'll explain to us in heaven why he allowed certain things to happen. If we go on to the next part of the verse where it talks about God forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. This is verse 7. But by no means, uh, by no means clear, clearing the guilty. This one, I, I, I struggled a little bit with this part of the verse. Um, the verse says that God by no means clears the guilty. And which one of us would not think that we are guilty of something or of, some, of, of sin in our lives? Obviously, we all are. So what hope does that have for us? If God doesn't clear the guilty, then we're doomed, right? Or not? Well, let's look at uh, someone in the Bible who went through a slightly similar experience. Uh, Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, God called Isaiah to... A task. He gave him a vision of himself, and then he called him to something. So let's turn there, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 5, and look at how Isaiah responds to, to God's call and to God's revelation of himself. It says there, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So oftentimes in our lives, God will bring us to points where we notice and we see very keenly our sins, our guilt, our unworthiness. And, and it can be very painful and we can sometimes feel hopeless. But if we look at what comes after that, and, and we won't turn there, but if you, if you know the story, then after that, one of the angels flies with a coal from the altar, touches Isaiah's lips and says, your guilt has been purged. And then God gives him a call and says, I want you to go and, and share a message of me to, to those who need it. And in the same way in our lives, those seasons and those times where our guilt and our, our unworthiness is revealed to us are actually opportunities where we can look to the one who takes away our guilt, which is Jesus Christ, and see that he took our guilt upon himself and gives us a chance to be forgiven and to be free. And that's honestly an amazing transaction. And, and if you search among other, other religions and other, other ways of, of, of thought in the world, nothing other than Christianity really offers that. Nothing else offers a solution for the problem of sin. If we look at the, the last part of the verse, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Again, what does that mean? We looked at that last week. Does that mean that God punishes us for things that other people have done wrong? Does he punish us for the things that we've done wrong, uh, even if we've repented? What if we feel cursed by God because things are not turning out in our life the way we wanted? Let's look at a, a, a story of a healing that Jesus did in the book of John, John chapter 9, verses 1 to 2. There Jesus is talking with his disciples, and they notice that there's, there's a man that's blind. He's been blind since his birth. And the disciples have a question for Jesus. It says there, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they were assuming that his blindness was because he had done something wrong or because his parents had done something wrong and God was then punishing him. And this is a question that was not only back then in those times, but sometimes even in our day, we, we see things happen and we think, oh, it's because their, their family, their, they come from a bad family, that's why they can't get ahead in life, or that's why things are turning out wrong for them. But Jesus, when he answers this question, he, he doesn't say that it was the man, he doesn't say that it was his parents. He actually says that the condition that man was in was so that God's glory could be seen, and he goes on to heal him of his disease. And sometimes the things that happen in our lives that challenge us, that sometimes we think, why is this happening? It's not because God is punishing us for something someone else did, but because he wants to show his glory in our life. And again, that is, that is just like with the whole uh, the analogy of surfing. 
there can be times where you're trying to understand that and you might find yourself falling off and, and, and thinking, no, this, this is, there's something wrong with me. I'm cursed because God's not blessing me in this area. But if we go back and look at what God says in his word, we can see that oftentimes he allows things to happen so that his glory can be seen in our life. So as we've come to the end of this, of this, of this month of studying and, and, and kind of wrapping up what it means to walk with God, what it means to understand his character, and then to apply it to our lives, um, it's kind of like with someone as they're learning to surf. They get to a point where they are comfortable in the water, they are able to predict when the waves are going to come, they're able to catch the right waves, they're able to have a lot of fun. Reminds me of this verse in Nahum, Nahum uh, 1 verse 7, where in our Christian life, we can come to a point where we can come to see that God is good. And the verse says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows those who trust in Him. And we can think that, you know, if we can just master these things and understand His, his ways, then that's it, and that's, that's all that, that God has in store for us, and, and we can have just a peaceful life. And, but there's a little bit more. There's a little bit more that, that comes next. And especially in the days that we're living, we know that this earth is not going to last forever. Uh, we know that we're living in the end, that Jesus has promised to come back. There's something more that God's trying to prepare us for as we learn to understand his character in our lives. And... Also in surfing, uh, I discovered that there's something that some people think is a good idea um, that's a little bit more than just catching the waves during the day. What would you think about surfing at 2.30 a.m. in the morning? Well, there's some guys uh, in Australia or that thought it was a great idea to go surfing at 2.30 in the morning. Uh, according to Surfer Today, Mark Matthews and Richie Vast, those, those are their names, and they were surfing uh, this, this, this wave that's called Ours. And it's located next to some sharp reefs and some rocks and there's shark-infested waters. And they did this pretty crazy thing where they went surfing and did that at 2.30 in the morning, which I think is pretty crazy. But is there a spiritual parallel? Is God asking us to do something kind of like that too? How about if we had to learn to trust God in the dark? Just like how Jacob did. So let, let's uh, remember this story. Jacob was the one who had been promised that he was going to be the one with carrying on the inheritance of his family. He had obtained the inheritance by deceit. He had spent many years away from home. And he was now returning back to the land of promise. God had called him back. And on his way, he meets somebody in the middle of the night who starts fighting with him. And the angel is wrestling with Jacob. And Jacob has the, the faith, the audacity to hold on and say, I will not let you go until you bless me. In other words, despite the fact that he felt that God had forsaken him, despite the fact that he couldn't see what he was dealing with or what he was contending with, despite the fact that everything seemed to be against him, he still decided to hold on. He still had faith that God could still bless him. Well, there's a parallel, 
And if you study scripture and you, and you look at what's coming up ahead, we know that there's a time of trouble coming. Uh, there's a couple of verses I want us to look at briefly. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. You can turn there. God has told us that things are going to get worse before they get better. So, yes, heaven is promised, but there's a time of trouble first. So let's turn to, to Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, and look at what the Bible says there. It says, At that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. Such as never was. This is the worst thing that's happened up until that point. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. Let's also look at Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 5 to 7. And that also talks about this time where we'll be going through something similar to what Jacob went through. Again, Jeremiah 30, verses 5 to 7. And the Bible says, For thus says the Lord, We have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask now and see whether a man is ever in labor with child. So why do I see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman in labor, and all faces turn pale? Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. And it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. So the Bible is telling us here that there's a time coming where we are going to be in a similar situation that Jacob was in, where there's no physical evidence that God is with us, where there's no um, outward, to all outward appearances, God has turned against us. And it's at that time where all these lessons that we've been learning previously really become important. Because just like the surfers who learn how to surf during the day, they learn how to feel the waves, they learn how to know where the rocks are, where the reef is, they know where to go, where not to go. They learn that during the day so that at night, when they don't have as much of their senses, they can still do it successfully like those guys did. In a similar way, God is preparing us through the experiences we go through now of learning to know who he is, learning to apply that to our lives, learning to trust him for a time when we won't have that outward evidence, where we won't see him physically, we won't feel his goodness necessarily in our lives, but we'll have to trust that he's there. And in the same way, if we learn the lessons now in the light, then when that time of darkness comes, we don't have to be afraid. We can, we can have confidence that he'll be with us. And we have the blessed promise that after that night of trial, a new day is coming. In Daniel chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, the Bible says, after that time of trouble, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. And so all these things that we go through in life and, and all, these, all these ways and trials that, that God leads us through, it's not because God 
likes seeing us suffer. It's not because God is indifferent. He actually doesn't like any of that, and he would much rather us be in heaven with him. And we will be in heaven with him if we choose him and if we choose to be faithful to him. And the day that's coming will be much brighter, much better than anything we've experienced up until now. And I like how it says in this verse, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever. And so God gives us a call, just like he gave to Isaiah, to shine for him, to, through our, our daily interactions with others, through our lives, to share his goodness, to share his love, to, to share with others the, the blessing that we've come to know through him and through understanding who he is through his character. And so as we come to the end of this, of this uh, month of studying who God is, and as we've uncovered a little bit more, we've not come to the end. Uh, this is something that each of us in our Christian walk will continue to uncover more and more of who God is as we continue to study the Word of God, as we continue to live and, for Him. And let's just keep the end in mind. Let's remember that when we go through those difficult times, when we struggle to master, as it were, our understanding of God's character and of, and of how His goodness applies in our lives, let's just remember that there's a time in the future, not too far from now, that God's preparing us for, where all these lessons will be really important. And as we prepare now for that time, let's remember that the eternal shore of heaven awaits and that God is calling us home to him. So this morning, um, as we come to a close, I just want to invite each one of you in your hearts to, to make that decision, to allow all that we've been studying to really impact our lives. Um, it's not a thing of feelings. It's, it's a thing of following God's word and trusting what he said, what he's revealed. And as we do that, he'll prepare us for the times ahead. He'll prepare us for heaven. Let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessing that comes from studying it. We thank you for the provisions that you've made for us. We thank you for how you've revealed and left a record of, of your character so that we don't have to doubt, we don't have to question who you are so that we don't have to flounder in the darkness, but so that we can be anchored in, in who you've said that you are and that we can not only believe it for ourselves, Lord, but you give us the opportunity to share it with others. And Lord, I just pray that um, you would bless us as we go from this place. Uh, help us to use every opportunity that you give us to be a blessing to others and help us to remember that this earth is not our home and that heaven is waiting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.